0: Good afternoon to FM and to Soul to Soul. And in our show we look at uh, deep and beautiful insights about Judaism, about the sages of Judaism, about Jewish history. And today is the 29th of Sivan. 29th of Sivan, it's um, Erev Rosh Chodesh Tammuz. And because tonight and tomorrow is the 30th of Sivan, and then the first of Tammuz is on Thursday night, Friday. And today is actually a very significant day. It's quite interesting because... I plan to share with you a very interesting idea about the Meraglim, the spies which was the Pasha we read last week. And today actually is the day that they were sent out into to spy the land. The 29th of Sivan is the day when Moshe Rabbeinu, when Moses sent the 12 people, um, one a representative from each of the Shvatim, from each of the tribes, to scout out the land of Israel. And they were supposed to find a strategy for entering into the land and uh, defeating the the Canaanites, who are an ancient nation, there are no vestiges of Canaanites anymore in the world, Um, and settling the three million Jews into the land of Israel, the land that was promised to the Jewish people, to our patriarch Abraham Abraham Avinu, and it was the eternal promise to the Jewish people, Um, And they now finally, the big moment, the major feature in the history of the Jewish people entering the land was upon the Jewish people. And so the people, it was the year 2448, which was the year 1312, the Jewish year 2448, the year 1312 before the common era, and the spies entered into the land. And God showed them um, what an incredible land it was. He showed them that the grapes there were clusters of grapes. The the Torah says it took um, eight people to uh, to carry uh, the the cluster of grapes, and um, he he God showed them that the cities were well fortified. But that was really a sign of weakness. The more fortified something is, the more frightened and weak the people are. And the less fortified it is, the the more daunting and powerful the person is because they're not frightened. Um, but after 40 days, the spies came up, came back, and they had a very negative report um, to share with the Jewish people, and they despaired, and they whipped the people up into a frenzy, and the people didn't have strength and resilience to say, that can't be right, God told us we must go, and therefore it will be fine. The people uh, were despondent, and were they fell into that panic and into that frenzy. And um, as a result, the people cried and despaired. And Hashem said, you're despairing for no reason. So 40 days later, which was Tishabav, which is 40 days from now. And um, so the people, therefore, um, God said that this will now be a day of truth crying for the Jewish people. And we see many, many calamities have happened to the Jewish people on Tishabav B'Av um, as a result of that first weakness that was um, introduced into our DNA. On the, when the spars came back with their negative report. But there's some beautiful messages to learn from that whole incident, which we will talk about when we return in a moment. This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxton on 101.9 High FM. discuss the date today is the 29th of Sivan. today is the day that the 12 spies went into the land and um, searched out the land and came back with the negative report which was a great calamity for the jewish people because as a result of that god decreed that all those that cried all those that were 20 and over that cried and listened to and and despaired together with the spies would not enter the land. And that's why the Jewish people had to wander in the desert for 40 years and would only their children would enter the land, save two. There were two exceptions to this rule, and those were two of the spies, Kalev and Yehoshua. Kalev ben Yefuna and Yehoshua ben Nun, they were two of those 12 tribes, and they were um, very um, strong in their resolve and they disagreed with the other ten. Ten of them came back with a negative report and despairing. And Joshua and Kalev were, um, adamant in their trust of Hashem. And they told the people, it can't be, it's not going to be bad. It's going to be good. It's a wonderful land. God told us we should enter. Do not make the mistake of despairing. Have faith and trust in Hashem and we will enter and it will be Positive and prosperous for the Jewish people um, And as a result of their loyalty Kalev and Yoshua So they were granted and able to enter into the land Were, were granted permission by Hashem to enter into the land um, And that's a, a very significant and important um, uh, point That we have to realize The reason why did those two Why did Yoshua and Kalev um, Merit to do that Well it's, it's fascinating the, At the uh, Towards the end of the Parsha The Torah tells us that Hashem calls Yeshua Evet Hashem when, when Hashem says the people are going to have this terrible decree And that Yeshua And Kalev will be the ones that go in So, so Hashem says that Kalev is his Evet Is the Evet of Hashem, is the servant of Hashem Which is a beautiful compliment that God gives to Kalev And says Kalev will enter Together with the people in the land but the big question is: we know that two of them would enter, um, both Kalev and Yeshua. And also, the pasuk says that you know he he would uh, still remain, and forty years later Kalev would go into the land. So, here was a great promise that Hashem made to Kalev, that he he was forty years old at the time. Now Hashem said, "Another, you you will live another forty years to eighty years old and go into the land." And we don't see that it's unprecedented anywhere else in the Torah that Hashem promises somebody um, another 40 years. We see David, King David, he asked God, how many more years will I live? We said in Tehillim Yutesh, and Hashem doesn't tell him. Hashem doesn't give a human being the ability and the right to know how many more years that person will be gifted life in this world. But Kalev was the the only exception to that rule, was Kalev ben Ifune. And Hashem told him you'd live another 40 years to go into the land, um, to the ripe old age of 80 years old and beyond and beyond, at least to 80. So the, the question over there is the, the verse God, Moses is complimenting Kalev as Hashem said. Um, in other words, he's quoting the words of Hashem. And the question is, what about Yahshua? Joshua was also, um, stood firm and defended Hashem and said that we should have faith and trust and, um, Opposed the the negative report of the other ten spies. So why is it? That he's not mentioned in these verses of praise um, It's a beautiful question. It's actually a question of the Orachim HaKadosh. The Orachim says an incredible thing Orachaim says that the reason why your sure succeeded in not Coming back with a negative report and not despairing like the other tribe or other other spies is because your sure was davened for, for by Moshe. Moshe Rabbeinu davened that Yoshua should have strength and Yoshua should have the ability to um, to see what's right and what's clear and go into the land and and, and not be um, influenced by uh, things that were incorrect. So because Moshe davened for Yeshua, because Moshe, Moshe prayed for Yeshua, so Yeshua was um, given what we call siyatetashmayah, he has given divine assistance, and Hashem enabled him and helped him to see clearly and helped him not to fall for the despairing report, the, the despairing point of view and perspective of his fellow uh, spies. So the Urachim the, says, is amazing. Yoshua he, he, was assisted by the Seat by the by the help, because Moshe davened for him. But Kalev, nobody davened for Kalev. And Kalev was able to see it on his own. Kalev was a self-made man. And because through his own resilience and through his own commitment and connection to Hashem, he was able to go against the flow, so he's called Kalev Eved Hashem. He's called an Eved, which is a servant of God, which is a great compliment, the greatest compliment that any of us could receive. Why? Because he was able to go against the flow. He was able to resist the pressures and the norms and the... um the uh, general political correctness of the time and stay strong and loyal to his values and to the principles which he lived his life by and he believed in. And he knew that if Hashem told the people that, that they should go into the land, it would be good and the people should go into the land. And as a result of that amazing moral courage that Kalev um, had, and he was able to swim against the tide, and resist all the others, not only the ten spies, but all of Klai Israel were despairing and were whipped up into this frenzy and this panic. And Kalev remained strong, and he remained loyal to his principles, and he stood by Hashem. And as a result, we see why he was rewarded. So also, Joshua did, but we say Joshua did so because he was given Seyatah deshma divine assistance, by the fact that Moshe Davin for him. Kalev didn't have that extra help, And assistance and he was able to do it on his own through his own commitment and through his own integrity and through his own loyalty to Hashem. So it's a very powerful lesson, this. It's a very important lesson because we should all learn from Kalev. The goal of every Jew in this world is to be an Eved Hashem and to be called an Eved Hashem, a servant of Hashem and the, uh, the way, one of the ways to do that says the Orachai Makadosh in last week's Pasha is to remain committed to Hashem and God's moral system despite the pressures around you. And I think there's no time that that's more apt and appropriate than the times that we are living in. We live in a time in a world where the world's gone absolutely crazy. And that which used to be called radical and used to be called, um, uh, crazy ideas has actually become the norm you know we talk about the new normal with regards to covid and how to change the world and changed uh, social behavior there's also a new normal with regards to what's regarded as right and wrong with regards to values and morals in the world and the world has has really you know all of the great um moral structures of society have been torn down and uh, the the general fabric of society has changed completely. And uh, for example, the most obvious thing in the world is that there's a God that really is so clear and obvious and, and right in front of us, right in front of our noses and to see this wonderful world we live in and to see how the, the human body functions and how perfect and intricate and vast and complicated every little organ of the body is and how they all work together in unison to create this organism called the human being. And the, that's just the physical aspect of the human being. The emotional and spiritual side is so magnificent and so complex and so exquisite. That's when we're looking within, we look without and we see this perfect, magnificent fantastic world this wonderful world that we live in which is just absolutely breathtaking take any aspect of the world that you want and look at it very closely look at the physics of that and how it works and how the different parts are from you know uh, flowers in in the garden to trees to insects to uh, to the, the, the sun and the atmosphere and water, just everything. The world is just inc- an incredible miracle right under our nose. So obviously there's a creator. It's just so clear and obvious. But the mo- the moral norms of society tell us, no, there's not a creator and everything's accident and everything's coincident and you're free to choose to do as you wish. Uh, nobody could force any ideas or principles upon you. But we're denying the most obvious thing in the world, that there is a creator and there's a moral system that the creator has granted us with the Torah. And it's our obligation to live according to the morals and values of the creator of the universe. And the goal is then to be called an evid Hashem, a servant of Hashem. We don't live the way we want and we desire. We live the way the creator of the universe wants us to live. And we step up and try and follow his moral system that he gave us and taught us in the Torah. And that takes self-control and that takes um, a tremendous amount of hard work. And that that is what we're in this world to do. That's what we were created to do. And to observe the Torah and the mitzvahs, the, the mitzvahs that God gave us, and to work on ourselves to become noble, refined human beings through the framework and structure of the Torah and the mitzvahs. And they train us to do that because... Through observing the Torah mitzvahs, we, um, enter into a world in which we live according to God's laws and God's values. And, um, it is actually the most rewarding way to live in this world because one gets a tremendous amount of joy and satisfaction in this world because one has meaning and contact and value, uh, content and value and, um, understanding. You know, the world is very lost and the world is, is very much in the dark. And uh the norms and fads and political rec- correctness changes you know by the month, never mind the year but we so we live in a world where it 's really gone nuts and crazy, and the um just the basic understandings of of human values and of of one 's gender and of the importance of marriage and a, a, a the importance of a a home of building a home of bringing children up in a healthy home with a mother and a father these basic values that um, 30, 40 years ago, were unquestioned, are now being destroyed, and uh, so even though that is the very strong tide we live in in the world, and that is the we live in a very liberal, liberal, woke world, um, we need to be strong, and we need to stand up to for what's right, and we need to understand that there's a creator and there's a God, and it's our obligation in this world to serve that God, and to fulfill His mitzvahs. And to see him, to find him, to see him, to acknowledge his presence. And to be grateful to him for the incredible blessings that he showers upon us. That's the the main goal of a Jew in this world. Is to praise Hashem. And to thank Hashem. And to bring Hashem into one's mindset and into one's world. And to see Hashem everywhere. And it's, you know, the, the entire system of Torah Mitzvah is designed to enable in- us to do that work. Um, it's very easy to observe it all and, and miss out the inner um, soul work that we're supposed to be doing. But it gives us a tremendous opportunity to add such light and beauty and meaning into our lives. And we see that Kalev did that successfully. We see that Kalev was the one who, who managed to fight against the tide, who managed to resist the norms of his times um, when everybody was panicking, when everybody was was turning their backs on Hashem and saying that, why do we come out of Mitzrayim and what are we doing and we're all going to die. Kalev remained strong and remained resilient and loyal to Hashem. And that's why he was called an Eved Hashem. That's why he's the only individual um, who's been promised, to was promised an extra 40 years of his life and was told about that, that he would enter with the people into the land. So it's a very inspiring example. The Orachim says we learn from Kalev and please God, we should all be strong and all stand up for what's right and all remain loyal to God as we're supposed to as Jews and live a life of Torah and of mitzvahs and of great meaning. Please stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxton on 101.9 High FM. So let's move on now. We discussed the fascinating lessons from the Raglin, from the spies. We see at the end of last week's parsha the discussion of what we call tzitzis. Now tzitzis, and as you may know, the Torah tells us, commands us, that if we're wearing a four-cornered garment, so we need to wear tzitzis. Tzitzis are the strings that are tied, things that come out at the end, and those are supposed to remind us of the mitzvahs. The Torah tells us, should sem the and remember all the mitzvahs of Hashem. And don't go after your, eyes, after your hearts, that you may want to stray after. And um, the tzitzis are supposed to give us the ability to remain on the straight and narrow and not to follow after our desires and our drives that may be that may lead us astray. That's the um, great power of this mitzvah called tzitzit. So the question is why does – there are many wonderful things it says about tzitzit. Um, and it's uzkartem, uh, remember all the mitzvahs. Why does it do that about tzitzit and not any other mitzvah? It seems to be emphasizing tzitzit in a very powerful way. The Gemara tells us, the Gemara in Soita tells us that um, when Abraham Abraham fought his war – um, in ancient times there was an ancient war And Abraham supported his nephew Lot And uh, he won a great victory It says that he didn't take any of the spoils of the battle um, And the Torah says ad srochanal, From a thread until a shoelace Abraham didn't even take He didn't want to take any spoils of the war And the Gomorrah says that Abraham was rewarded for this That his reward for um for not, t- for not taking a was the mitzvah of tefillin, and his reward taking not taking a chut was um, the mitzvah of tzitzis. Now, I always understood that, that, you know, the, the Jewish people, it's a great honor and privilege to do a mitzvah, commandment of Hashem. And that was the, the reward for Abraham. He got these mitzvahs, and then him and his descendants to follow could get eternal spiritual reward for observing these commandments. That's a great gift that Hashem gave Abraham But actually the the Gemara, the Pshat in the Gemara Is a little bit different to that The Gemara in, in Sota, if you look at that Gemara tells us that Hashem was saying, yes there is eternal Spiritual reward for these mitzvahs, for sure That goes without saying But there was also physical Tangible rewards in this world From those two mitzvahs And the Gemara says, what was the tangible physical reward In this world for the mitzvah of Tfilin So that was that Raul Kol That all of the nations of the world will see that the name of Hashem is upon you. When when the nations of the world see a Jew who's wearing um, tefillin, they'll see that God's name is bound to the Jewish people. And that will be a tangible reward that the nations of the world will give respect to Klal Yisrael when they see us wearing tefillin. So the Gemara says, what was the tangible reward of the mitzvah of tzitzis? And the Gemara says that is that by wearing tzitzis we makabal pnei hashkina, that we receive the divine presence. By wearing tzitzis we are able to receive God's presence. And um, that's a very interesting thing, isn't it? Why do tzitzis? So wearing these four-cornered garments with the strings that are tied to them. So some um, observant people wear the strings on the outside and some uh, tuck the strings inside, but any observant Jew who keeps the commandments is wearing these tzitzis. Is wearing um, these strings. So that the the Gemara is saying the reward for that is kabbalas pnei is receiving the di- divine presence in this world, which is quite an interesting thing. So let's try and understand what that means. So there's also another beautiful orachaim we we shared today. Two beautiful Peirushim, Explanations of the great Orachayim, Hakolish Rabbi Chaim Benatar. And the Orachayim on these verses in the Torah, which is at the end of last week's Parsha. So he says that um, wearing tzitzis is like wearing a uniform. It's a, the uniform of a Jew. Tzitzis are our uniform. Tzitzis, um, for example, you might have a soldier who's in the army, or a policeman, or a pilot. So they wearing a uniform, and they then represent That army, they represent the police force, the law and order of the country. They represent the air force, you know, the air force, they represent the airline. And as a result of that uniform, they have to behave in a certain way. People are looking to them and expecting them to behave in a certain way. So as a Jew, we also have a uniform. What's our uniform? Our uniform is wearing titsus. Our insignia that we wear is the titsus. And it shows that we associate with and identify with Hashem. And we fulfill the word of Hashem in this world. That's what the tzitzis show. So that's why by wearing tzitzis, and it says, Look at them and remember all the mitzvahs. And in fact, the gematria, the numerical value of the word tzitzis, if you add it up, it's tzadi yud, tzadi yud. So tzadi is 90 and yud is 10. Right? So um, that's 100 and 100. That's 200, and tough is 400. So the gematria is 600 of tzitzis, and um, you've got five on each of the strings. You've got five knots and eight strings. So 600 plus five plus eight is 613, 613. So you look at the tzitzis and you remember all 630 mitzvahs. That's what it's supposed to remind us. And if we're straying, and if we misbehaving, and if we, you know, dropping below the moral level that Hashem wants us to be on. In the Torah, so then we look at the tzitzis, that reminds us what we're supposed to be doing and how we're supposed to behave. The Orachim also says a beautiful thing. He says that the four corners of the the why do we wear tzitzis on four corners? Because it is coming to hint to us, to tell us that God controls the four corners of the world. Anywhere you look, northeast, southwest, wherever you go, Hashem controls the world. Hashem controls everything. And so the tzitzis on the four corners and the six and three mitzvahs, they remind us they are our insignia. They are our uniform. They identify us with Hashem and they raise us to live by a certain moral standard and by a certain lofty principles um, that God expects of us um, as it is is given to us in the Torah. So... That's a, that's a beautiful understanding of why the tzitzis it remind us of the mitzvahs and they bring us in connection with, into the world of, making us a part of Hashem's team, Hashem's, Hashem's people in this world. But let's look at it from a little bit of a deeper point of view. very powerful um, understanding is that of the Maharal. The Maharal says of here, um, he says it in Nesiv HaAvoidah Perikres. Morals asks the question, why is Yassir Tzimitzrayim in the Pasha of Tzitzis? It's an interesting question. The Gemoran Brachow says that the reason why this, this uh, chapter of Tzitzis is part of the Shema, is the third paragraph of the Shema. Now, why did the sages link the uh, chapter of Tzitzis into the Shema, into the third paragraph of the Shema? The reason they did that was because the Gemara says, because at the end of this paragraph, it says, that I am Hashem, your God, who took you out of Egypt. Since it says and reminds us that God took us out of Egypt, so we, it's a mitzvah, it's a positive commandment for us to remember every single day of our lives that Hashem took us out of Egypt. And so this paragraph of Tzitzis was put into the Shema. So when we say the Shema, we'll say those words, A-ni Ha-shem that I took you out of It's We'll say that every time we say the Shema, both night and day, we'll remember Hashem took us out of Egypt. So that's why this paragraph of Tzitzis is is linked to, is combined with, is a part of the Shema, is a third paragraph of the Shema. So the question the Maharal asked is, what has Yisit Mitzrayim coming out of Egypt, got to do with wearing titsis. They seem to be two different um, mitzvahs in the Torah, two different subject matters all What's the the link between them that remembering Kamarag rhyme is right in the middle of the Parsha of Tzitzis? Great question that the Maharal asks. And he answers. And he says that the goal of both wearing tzitzis and Yetzirah rhyme is the same. What's the goal of Yetzirah Mishraim? The goal of Yetzirah Mishraim, the goal of coming out of Egypt, was that we would recognize, the world would recognize, yes, but in particular, Kla Yisrael, the Jewish people would recognize that God is the master of the universe, that God controls the world. We saw the plagues, and we saw the splitting of the sea, and in fact, at the end of Shira Hayam, when the Jewish people sang this beautiful song when they came through the sea, so they say the words, Hashem Yimloch Lo'olam Ved, Hashem will rule forever and ever That is the goal of God's goal of taking us out of Egypt Is that Christ would recognize that God is omnipotent God is all-powerful And that is the same God of Titsis. The Maharal quotes the Gomorrah in Sotah. The Gomorrah says um, We used to wear what's called T'cheles We used to wear these blue um, There used to be a blue Of the eight strings that come with of the titsis, Two of them used to be a blue color which is called Techeles. And the um, the reason for that, today we've lost the Masoya, we've lost the tradition of where to get the source of that blue color, where to get it. Um, it's, we, we get it from a nail called the gilazon, and that nail, we don't know, ex- a snail, sorry, snail called gilazon, a snail from the ocean, and we can't identify exactly the right snail, so we can't get exactly the right color so that we don't wear the um the, the, this color anymore. We just wear the white, it is. But the purpose of the color, what the Gemara says, was to chelez doimele yam, that the blue color is compared to the sea. Yam doimele rakia. And the sea is compared to the sky. Rakia doimele kisa'a covered. So when we wear this blue color, we see the blue, we think of the sea. We see this, and we think of the sky, and we think of the kisa'a covered, which is the divine throne of glory. Um, so by looking at the Titsis we think of Hashem, the, Hashem's power and control of the world. So that is the purpose of tzitzis. It's supposed to bring us to that understanding and rec- recognition. And that also is the purpose of Yetzius Mitzrayim, to come to the same end point, to the same conclusion, that God is omnipotent and God controls the world. So that's why Titsis and Yetzius Mitzrayim is in Titsis, because they're both doing the same thing. And that's the purpose of, and so now we can understand what you saw, with the the Gemara we mentioned at first, the first Gemara, is uh, why, what is the reward of wearing tzitzis? Hashem said to Avraham, is kabbalas pnei So when we wear tzitzis, we remember the mitzvahs, and we are. It's the insignia that binds us with Hashem, and it is as the Orachaim says, and it is the. Also, it reminds us of the sea, of the sky, of the Kisei HaKabod, of God's control and power over the world. So tzitzis therefore brings us into this whole uh, thought process. of It really is, it embraces, it, it It connects us with Hashem. It's a beautiful, we're in wrapping ourselves around this, these concepts that God is in control of the world, God is the master of the universe. And that's why by wearing the tzitzis, we are, we feel God's, the divine presence. And we feel close to the creator of the universe. So that is a beautiful understanding of the power of this beautiful mitzvah called tzitzis and why we wear our tzitzis. Please stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Sachstein on 101.9 High FM. I wanted to end off. I, I can't resist to end off with that. Also, another beautiful and powerful idea from the Torah reading. Um, we're in Sefer Bamidbar, and there's just so many incredible lessons, life lessons for us that are so valuable. Um, and the this week's Pasha is, was called, is called Pasha's Korach. And Pasha's Korach deals with a very, very um, powerful episode, one of the most powerful episodes in the entire Torah, We see an individual by the name of Korach decides to take on Moshe and Aaron. Korach is somebody who, um, who was a great man himself and a man who was respected in the community, and he had a a inner motivation. Our sages tell us it's part of our tradition that the inner motivation of Korach is that he he was he felt he was overlooked for particular position of power that was given to. Um, somebody else, another member of the family and not to him. And that therefore led him to, and now of course Moses did that, um, because Hashem told him to do that. He, he was only doing what Hashem told him. And it led him to stage a rebellion against Moshe and against Aaron. And, um, he obviously hid behind very lofty goals and ideals and saying, you know, if we don't need a, if we all holy, so why do we need a leader and you Moshe and Aaron are taking all the power for yourselves. Moshe is the leader and Aaron is the Kohen Gadol. And the power of the Jewish people needs to be evenly spread amongst all of Israel. And therefore they opposed the leadership of Moshe and Aaron. And Moshe and Aaron were absolutely devastated. And Hashem told them, okay, you know, these guys want to take you on. Let's have a test tomorrow. Tell them each to bring a pan with incense. The incense offering in the times of the temple, in the temple are very, very powerful, have a very great spiritual significance. And, um, a czar, somebody who's not supposed to bring an incense offering, um, they, it won't be tolerated. Only the Kohen Gadol could bring the incense offering, not anybody else. So only one would be chosen. So so Moshe said to Korach, okay, you want to see who Hashem chooses? Let's have a test tomorrow. As Hashem told him, everybody brings an incense offering. Uh, Only the one who's the true Korn God or his will be received, and everybody else will die. Everybody else, their souls will be sucked out of their bodies. Um, That's what Hashem Hashem told Moshe to tell Korach. And Korach says, you know what? Let's do it, my friend. I'm up for it. Let's see. Let's go for it. And so... um, we see that Korach, together with his supporters, they they uh, they happy to face up to the challenge and to go through this test. And it's absolutely insane. It's just crazy that they would do such a thing, because you know who's going to take on Moshe and Aaron? Moshe was the humblest of all people. Moshe was the one who spoke Hashem Per Al at Harasina. Moshe is the one who brought the people out of Mitzrayim, and Moshe is just, you know, he was the most noble human being that ever walked the face of the earth. The holiest person who ever. Who's ever lived in the world. So why Korach would take him on? It just doesn't make any sense. And not only take him on, but it would be, the stakes would be so high that he putting his life in danger. In other words, whoever Hashem chooses will be the one and all the others will die. That's what Moshe told him. He told him the, the rules up front. And Korach Kur, goes for it. And there's a, little, a lot of discussion in the sages about these things and about, you know, about what went on and why Korach and his followers decided to do such an insane thing, and we see the result was catastrophic for them. The Result was the the their souls were sucked out of their bodies, and the earth opened up, and them and all of their property and all of their families were were, uh, were uh, fell into the ground, were you know sucked into the earth and uh, disappeared into the into the earth. The earth opened up and swallowed them. Unbelievable. So the, just I would sh- I want to share. I just can't resist with to share with you this incredible concept of Rav Yeruchim, the great um, Mir Meshkiach, Rav Yeruchim says, he says, we see the power of Midas, the power of our character traits, that when we don't control our character traits, and when we don't have them under wraps, so they lead us astray, and we see that even a motivation, um, Korach was upset, and he felt that he was sidelined, for whatever reason, this leads him to take on motion, that if, if we upset and then we try and cloak it, we try and cover it with, uh, you know, these grand, moral, um, uh, wonderful ideas that, that we say, well, you know, I'm altruistic. It's not about me. It's just about these ideas. But the, that which is driving us is really our, we, our midas, our character that could really lead us astray. And the stakes are always very, very high. And unless we're working on ourselves and thinking about what life's about and analyzing what our true motivation is, and rising above our lower drives and instincts, we're going to, our middle going to lead us on a path of destruction. And we see that so clearly and so powerfully with Korach and with his followers. And it's something we all need to be careful of and aware of. And please, God, succeed in controlling our midas, our character traits, and not letting our character traits control us. Thank you so much for listening, and have a wonderful day.